0: Thank you for subscribing to KCWG The Truth Extra, our premium content channel. We have copies of our shows, plus exclusive content from our hosts and their guests. Also, as a subscriber, you'll be invited to participate in giveaways and events. Thank you for supporting and listening to KCWGTheTruth.com, the best internet radio on the planet.
1: Scope, bomb hit. They family, family, me. We, like back. we back, we back we Yes sir, journey, you it, listen baby. to KCWGTheTruth.com The, the, the world best world internet world radio world on the planet. planet You listen to T. Russ, uh, Real Love, Real Talk Uncut And later on, my co-host DJ Rome will be in the house uh, Today, we're going to talk about advocacy I always do a little monologue and uh, we'll talk about advocacy and special education. And uh, we're going to have a guest on, Carrick McGowan from Dallas, Texas. And then we're going to talk a little bit about a case study with my uh, one of my friends, Dr. Mia McNulty. And we're going to break down how to, if you're appearing out there, look at uh, the psychological report uh the IEP team, And what do you do if you're pretty much by yourself, you don't have any advocacy supporting you? What do you do? How do you do it? And what are the red flags without having an attorney? And so I'm going to go through that. Um, If you are there, to sit back, relax, and uh, I'm going to throw something at you. I have had the privilege of advocating for parents... In many states in uh, America. And uh, there were times, uh, you know, as in, in my earlier career, I really didn't know the extent of the aptitude that I needed to advocate back then because, you know, we grow older, we grow wiser, hopefully. But now, 17 years in the game, I look back and I go, wow. And now I'm able to help parents more than I did when I started out. Uh, years ago as an intern and then uh had a residency and I did all those things you know that you do to become a mental health professional psychologist uh, therapist and so I want to talk about that today and I want uh, you're listening to exciting to premium content on kc.g and, and, and if you're out there struggling with your kid in special education and you don't have any advocacy take some notes um, if you want to call in later uh, at the end of the show, I think we're going to try to have 15 minutes for people to call in. You can always call in at uh, 716-748-0319. We'll take your call. If you're out there and you want to chime in and maybe text a friend and say, hey, go you know, listen to the station, you can you uh, you know, you can listen on your iPhone or your, uh, your other phones at 951 520 One zero three seven. So tonight we're going to talk about uh, advocacy and I want to throw a little something at you. Uh, Years ago when I started, I would say my fifth year, I realized that I had a, a talent, I had a gift of advocacy. Advocacy meaning I understood the element and the variables of support for parents because I was a single parent for a while. Raising uh, a child, and uh, it was it was very difficult. It was very difficult, and uh, but I got through it. And I wish that I had uh, an advocate. I wish that I'd have had some people in my corner that really uh, could understand what I was going through. And at the same time, um, I would ask people, "What about this? Uh, what about that?" And, uh, they, you know, a lot of times they would just tell me, just do the best you can. Uh, as I, uh, older, got older, um, I realized that, uh, they did not help me because I don't think they had a clear understanding of what was, re- what was really going on. And so with that being said, I want to tell you that, uh, I want to tell you that, uh, let's break some things down. Um, Maybe about 10, 12 years ago, I had a young lady that called me and got a referral and asked me to come down to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I went down to Tulsa, Oklahoma, Tulsa Edison uh, High School. And uh, I met a couple there that basically said my kid at the time was mentally retarded. I think he was 15 years old, uh, ninth grade, and they felt that he was not Mentally retarded. Uh, we call it now a different classification, ID, intellectual disability. I sat down with the, with the parents and I told them a couple of things. Number one, their rights. Number two, what do what those rights mean? And what does the assessment mean? So I pulled all the assessments out, all the psychological reports. And I let them know that being uh, educated in the West Coast, my style was very assertive. Some are call aggressive when I advocate. So don't be alarmed. I'm not going to verbally assault whoever I'm in the meeting with, but it's going to take you back because uh, the Midwest has a different style of advocacy as does the East Coast. The West Coast is aggressive, assertive, so is East Coast. So as I got into uh, the meeting, I brought the federal guidelines the state guidelines for the state of Oklahoma, and this couple was trying to change the setting of their son to a least restrictive environment because they believed that their kid was not mentally retarded, okay? So I met with the child, interviewed the child, observed the young man, uh, very smart young man, and I realized that there was some inappropriate... Uh, classifications put on here, what we call labels. And so as I went through the paperwork and, and had the meeting, um, they had been trying to get their child out probably for seven years. And so at the table, I sat with the director of special education, and uh, she asked me where I was from, this is where I'm from, this is who I represent, this is who I am, here's my card, here's the consent form for me to advocate for these parents. As I looked at her reports um, from the psychologist, from the uh, school, uh, I would say, Special Education Administration, I had red flags. Uh, one of the red flags, when you look at mental retardation, now ID, You look at three things. Number one, you look at the medical history. Number two, you look at the classroom performance as far as scores. Um, If you are looking at scores, and and if your parents out there going through some things, and you're looking at scores, you always want to look at the word the number seventy on down. Seventy on down uh, indicates some deficits or delays. You also look at abductive. Scores, how that kid adapts. And I realized that that kid's score was in the 80s. And I realized that his classroom scores were 70. And I realized that there was no indication that he had any medical history of mental retardation. The law says that you have to meet those criteria and you have to meet them in the same domains. So whatever you're doing at home and how you function at home, you should be able to function at school at the same time. So I would say about 20 minutes, I kind of disclosed to the federal law and I basically looked at adaptive skills and the scores and the director looked at me and said, you're right. We are going to exit him out of this eligibility and we're moving to a less restrictive eligibility and a less restrictive setting and one of the parents uh, got extremely emotional got extremely um frustrated and screamed at the director and made a statement why did he, was he able to come in here in 20 minutes and remove that label and removed and, and take him to another setting when we've been trying to advocate for our child for 7 years and her comment was her was very very astonishing her comment was because he said and spoke the appropriate language. If you're out there right now and you're listening, it is always about the language. It's always about how you communicate, uh, even if you communicate with the enemy. You have to understand the communication of the enemy. You have to understand that uh, really what's going on, in your situation, especially when it comes to special education, it comes to clinical understanding. You have to understand the language. If you don't understand the language, then you have to advocate for some with somebody that does. So we're going to take a little break, and that is the premise of advocacy. If you don't know, find someone that does know, especially in special education. Special education is what we call a beast. It is still revolving. Uh, it is still uh, under construction. Um, there's a lot of people out there that believe that if you're in special education, you go from there to incarceration. Uh, I do not believe that. Uh, what I do believe is that if you don't have advocacy and you don't have support, that it can possibly lead to destruction, and then when your kids get out, they don't know what to do, they don't have any support, and uh, no one left them any resources while they were in there. Um, this is your boy T. Russ. We're gonna take a commercial break, and we'll be back with my boy DJ Rome. We're gonna chop it up a little bit, and then we'll get back. Uh, and we'll have uh, one of my friends out in Dallas, special education teacher, chop it up with us a little bit. We'll be back.
2: i stance in the maze. yes she figured he lied. Said he rise in three days. Couldn't believe and proceeded to cry as she gazed. And I don't know you heard it before, but it's time to get saved. From my earliest stage, rewinding my days. Maneuver pursuing the life of crime, cause it paid. And if we get caught, it can lead to time in the cage. Two baby lokes on a mission with a nine in the gauge. Hustling to the death, trying to get paid. I miss my homie, now he's in his grave. My homies is hot, they wanna ride out of rage. Embracing with love and hugging, we cried as we prayed. The pain is soon to be gone, like dimes that we blaze. Men the healing revealing the mind of the say It must I remind that there's a sign there's a rage. as a wage. The sin is deceiving, leading the blind to the grave. It's a On the metal uh oh. go to pop hole, Smash on the pedal Ooh. Living life in the fast lane Drinking here Smoking weed Trying to hide the past pain Every day Looking for a brighter day Solo said Give your life to y'all Cause he's the better way But California streets Got me caught up Only oh. the strong survive And buses dies. how I'm bought up But I know one day I gotta change Confess crisis to new improve me By being You're by the listening
0: to Exciting premium content know. On KCWGTheTruth.com I'm on KCW the G-The crack G-The
2: crack the soul's in my cash, you know. If you know where I'm
3: from, then what you're it, about? is me and the coach in the Benz, and we smash it be yeah. yeah. okay. And it was funny how
2: I started getting when poverty's stricken Now whoever looks up on my medallion I'll be spitting a dollar forgiven I stay bumping, round ride with the Christians That's why I'm still living. Till the homies died in position The sky has a ribbon I think every time I be spitting this life that we livin' I need be to die as a Christian That's got to forgive em. When the shells from the nine hit him I cry cause I miss him It's too hard to try to forget him My ride and be zippin'. And since the other side be trippin' Whoever the angels don't stop The 45 forget him And I have a rhythm Came to step outside of tradition To ride is my mission And we could lie with religion The a collision And before I die in the prison I find me a sister before child, out I'm missing, he's got to forbid. I ignore and try not to listen, but why is you dissing? You can die for the lie you've written to buy by the vision. Only few inside my division to buy the best
1: show. Real love, real talk, uncut. And my boy, DJ Rome, you here with me? Okay, you on with me?
4: Yeah, I can hear you now. Right. I haven't heard anything from 5.30 on, but I have complete and total absolute faith in you, my brother. How you doing tonight?
1: <laughs> man, I'm just talking about the show, man. Everything's cool. Uh, okay. Trying to get that energy up, man. Trying to get that energy up.
4: Oh, what are you doing to do that? Are you, like, taking some um, herbal supplements? you taking some uh, ginger, ginseng? How are you trying to make that happen? Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: right, just sleep, man. You know what I mean. Stark, have any pillows in the studio? No, he ain't got no pillows, man. He got these these chairs, though. But you know, I got to keep it up, man. But we got a hot show, man. We got a hot show on advocacy, and uh, I just did the the, the monologue. And uh, uh, how was your day before we get started?
4: Oh, it was good. There was um, it, it was pretty uneventful. I had one call out where I had to um step away from what I was doing I usually this is my field day okay I have my home site and then there there's at least one or two days sometimes during the week where I go out in the field and I hit my other sites because I hit this school year up to about four to six different campuses at one given time if I had that many different assessments open so I didn't move around that much today but while I was out I got one call but it wasn't an emergency so I will take today any day Okay, any brother any day
1: so, what's going on in Southern California? Well, all I know is uh, the day, man, I realized, and I guess that's why we're doing the show, that when I'm in meetings, sometimes I write what I write and I sit back the whole meeting and, and just observe. Okay. And uh, the day I observed a parent and a student that did not want to reveal any information about their home life, uh, there was nobody. That could pull that out of them. I couldn't even pull it out of them. And so we asked the student to leave. And then I kind of thought about it. And let me, let me ask questions that are very personal and impersonal. Okay. And so I did. Like very like um things like this. Um, I looked at the mother and I said, uh, does does your son hug you? I said, yeah, of course he does. I said, I bet he doesn't hug his daddy. He just got stopped. Just stopped. Mm-hmm. I said, Shh i I never got a hug from a man. Maybe yeah. he's fortunate. And she start crying. Mm-hmm. Says, oh, mm-hmm. "Well, my my husband basically works seven days a week, and he didn't come yep. home. He leaves at five in the morning, and I didn't come home to eight or nine. What do you do with right. that? What do you do with that?" And uh, mm-hmm. I said, "Well, you do a lot with that. You first of all, you got your your bills met. Uh, second of all, you have to manage your bills, and you had to manage your home. And I said, sometimes." Uh, working a lot like that isn't, uh, isn't healthy. And right. so the mother says, well, uh, that's what we do. I said, well, what would you do? And, I, you know, God forbid that he passed out and didn't come home because he mm-hmm. had a stroke or something because he works too hard. I said, would you be more in the financial bliss then? Or would you, if you knew, had hindsight, it's 2020, what would you do? And, man, she was like, I'm going to have him come talk to you. And sometimes you gotta put that in front of people to right. make them think, and even say to yourself, "What would I do? What would I say?" Mm-hmm. You know. And so, it, it, when you have two or three of those meetings, it wears you out. Yeah, it, it really does, man. You have to. I love what you say, DJ Rome. You was like, you know, this is the new saying here in the studio: uh, "Put on the oxygen mask." Yes, indeed. You came up with that, man. You did. You're the you're the creator of that. Put on the oxygen <laughs> mask, man. <laughs> Yeah, Pastor uh uh Pastor Starks is, is laughing at me now. Yeah, man. So you came up with that. So we're just uh I just put on that uh, oxygen mask, man. And um mm-hmm. hopefully that I can revive myself, man, through the spirit and through good eating, good conversation, uh sound mind, uh right. building my circle up where it's strong. Right. Um and that, and that's what we at, man
4: family, the parent, and the child together didn't want to disclose what was going on at home. Is that child having behavior problems at school?
1: Yes, he is. He's having uh, but he tries to control it. Um, yeah. And he just maybe walk out not disrespectful. But when I came in, I wrote a piece—this is what I do. I do so many crazy things in meetings. They just laugh at me. I wrote something on a piece of paper, and I turned the paper over and put it in the middle of the table and just let it sit there. After the end, of the, at the end of the meeting, when the kid left, they said, Mr. Russell, what do you think? Well, when I first came in here, this is what I thought. Turn that piece of paper over. and turned the piece. Oh, wow. It said, this child is about to explode. So before they did that, they were saying, the kid is about to explode. Mm-hmm. I do things like that to show the team that as a psych, you can depend on me to... Immediately understand the situation. Mm-hmm. If I don't, I will ask. What I will ask a thousand questions, and that's what we do. Right. We asked a thousand questions, right. and uh, my my mother would say, "Why do you have to ask me a thousand questions?" I said, "Because answers hide behind questions."
0: Sure
1: do. Yeah, and I and I can't I can't I can't turn it off. Like I do it in my personal life too. So everybody says, "Man, are you psychoanalyzing me?" Oh yeah. <laughs> so how do you every time.: <laughs> yeah. So when
4: you ask questions, whether it's in a counseling situation or you're interviewing a family who is at a meeting, how do you get those families or that child to open up to you?
3: Because um, in a situation
4: like that, they have their heels dug in, nobody's given any ground, and in the pressure cooker of a meeting as one place, now the, all eyes are on you. Mm-hmm. Now there's one or two ways that that, that can go. And I hear how it turned out, so that's fine. But in a general sense, how do you get people to open up to you in a situation like that?
1: Well, first of all, I have to really observe the surroundings. I
4: mm-hmm. have
1: to observe and write down what are the, I'll call them the uh, blind spots of driving. So as they're driving the com- communication, what are those things that are they're avoiding? Are they avoiding mm-hmm. eye contact? Are they avoiding certain words? Um, right. what, what, are they, what, are, what are they not saying? Um, Mm -hmm. and so what are the sensitive points? And then I have to take myself as a role as a father sometimes, and then I have to put myself in that place and go, what would I think? Let's take the psych out of the, and, 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 and use some immediacy and some Mm -hmm. self-reflection and go, okay, I understand that before I open my mouth. Um, because Uh, sometimes when when you open your mouth and you talk, it's already out there. You can't take it back.
4: That's right. And and I don't ring that bell. And so you're saying, yeah. You find a way to uh, empathize with the person that you're talking to, and you try to create some kind of um, camaraderie. Did I hear that? Am I interpreting that right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
4: Okay. So one tech, and I like that technique, and I, I I have also found it to be effective because kids sometimes sometimes when they feel under duress from their parents, you're I'm I'm assuming we're talking about high school students.
1: We're talking about uh, high school students.
4: Okay. So. Many kids in a situation like that feel extremely persecuted, right? The whole world's against me, moms is out to get me, won't cut me any slack, teachers are on my back and at that level you got all kinds of more mature problems because they're older. You know, I deal generally with middle school kids who are those tweeners who aren't young enough to be babied anymore, but they're not old enough to be to have an expectation that they know how to process and have Uh, So more of a sense of social justice, of of fairness, of what's right and wrong. So they're still learning that, and they're testing the limits a lot. And you hope that by high school they've started to grow out of that. But oftentimes... We have uh, developmental delays, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so meeting people where they are is very important. So I like a, what you said a lot. You said that you you try to uh, – this is my interpretation of what you said, so correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like you try to give the, the child a sense that you are on their side and that you are not out to, to get them, but in order to induce – some kind of you're listening to exciting premium content on KCWQ. You're listening to exciting premium and content coming from Am
1: I interpreting truth. that right? You are, and not only that, man. I actually, I really get deep in my stare when um, the kid is who the kid is speaking to. Like, for instance, <clears> the parent, the teachers. I, I look inside them. I make sure that the kid sees me look inside them, and what that kid does is like, oh, he's studying. The, mm-hmm. the spirit and what that, when what, and what those teachers are actually saying, he's just not taking their advice or taking what they're saying as a blowover. He's really listening, mm-hmm. and so I mm-hmm. write that down and I, I reiterate what they say. You no, know, so you just like you did me, and so yeah. it makes the teachers go, oh, he's not playing. This is serious, you know. Serious. yeah. And I look at it from a holistic approach, the overall right. kid, mentally, spiritually naturally uh emotionally and so it works out man absolutely and, and that's what our topic is today man how do you advocate for these kids how do you do it you know right. with limited resources so i'll tell you what man we got a guest out of dallas texas i'm gonna have on the okay. show in the next two minutes i'll tell you what let's take a break and when we come back we'll talk to mr McGowan. yes sir all right all right man
5: do that will be back, be back.
2: I
3: love God, you love God, what's wrong with you? I love God, you love God, what's wrong with you? love
2: God.
3: You love God. What's wrong with you? Love him,
2: my love him. Love him, my love. Love her my love Love her my love love him. Love I love him. love him. Love, love 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 You ain't got the
3: money moving by yourself. you know you did it with a lot of yeah. You know it's only one. It ain't nobody. Got me talking strong and I ain't rich. I'm talking well. Huh? See, I'm forgiving. I'm forgiving. Ay, ay. See, I've been forgiving. I'm ay, living. Ay. And when I say I love, I mean it. Oh. But none of this be nothing. If you come in, I miss the job. I love God. You love God. What's wrong with you? I love God. You love God. What's wrong with you? I
2: love him, my lover. Love him, my lover. Love of my love, him. love of my love, my love, him. love of my love, love, love,
3: love, him, love, him, I
1: love, him, I love, him, I love, 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 to real love, real talk, uncut. DJ Rome. T. Ross. Yeah, man. I uh, I got my guest on, Mr. McGowan. Are you here with me? Yes, sir. Hey, how you doing, bro? Thank you guys for having. me. <laughs> yeah, man. Doing uh, pretty good. Pretty good. All right, I got my boy DJ Rome. DJ Rome, Carrick McGowan, out of Dallas. Good
4: brother, out of Dallas. How you feeling tonight, man? <laughs> doing pretty good. good. Looking forward to taking Flame. <laughs> Can't complain, right on,
1: right on. Hey, check it out, uh, Carrick. Uh, we go back, and uh, we uh, have always talked about, I had you on the show, and uh, uh, you're a special education teacher. I remember uh, back in the day, you was cutting hair uh, out of, uh, and you were also a vet, just like my Yes, sir. sir. And we just kind of chopped it up, man, kind of just saw each other, and uh you, you cut my hair, man. We talked. And I was like, wow, man, you were going to be... a I always told you you were going to be great. And uh, you started with nothing, no education. And now you just received your master's degree. You are a very serious brother. Um, you showed me a lot of the ropes in, 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 in Texas. Because I sure wasn't to them Texas boys. And uh, we played some ball. We did some things. And we always stayed in contact. Uh, I appreciate you having you on the show. Um why don't you tell the audience, man, just how we met. I mean, how, what's your perspective on our relationship. And then we'll go on and talk about the things that you're doing.
5: Oh, it was just like you said. Um, actually, your wife, I believe, the salon that I was uh, working out of, I had my own suite in there cutting hair. Yeah. Your wife uh, was going to one of my uh, coworkers. Yeah. Um, and she uh, knew that you needed a haircut and just thought enough of me. Uh, excuse me, your ex-wife thought enough of me. Yeah to introduce us, and that's where everything started. Uh, You saw me, like you said, uh, pretty much started from uh, just a brother cutting hair. Um, A little bit about my background, you know, like you said, um, service member in the uh, United States Air Force for four years, Uh, got out, started working at the Postal Service, Uh, came back, like I said, to the Metroplex, Um, became a licensed barber, insurance agent, private investigator. It's almost it. Uh, no job that I uh, wouldn't do, um, but then I found myself um, wanting to further my education okay. uh, through through the help of the military, of course. I got a, uh, my associates, but a bachelor's in management, a bachelor's in marketing, and also my master's in um, educational leadership and policy studies. And actually, I just uh, about a month ago became certified to be um a principal down here in Texas. So
3: Awesome.
5: Um, and in the meantime, uh, with the, that education opened up the door for me to become a uh, special education teacher. Awesome. And how I got started with that, uh, my wife um, couldn't actually find a job uh, with my management degree or my marketing degree. And my wife has been in education for uh, 20 years or so. And she's a principal of a high school down here in the Metroplex. And she just thought enough of me to say that she thought I would be a positive influence uh, for students and adults okay. at a school. So okay. I listened to her, and that's uh, I've been in special education for five years now. So
1: that's where we are. Awesome. So as, as we talk about special education, we especially talk about uh, men, uh, males in special education, especially black males in special education. Uh, what do you do to... What do you, what, first of all, what do you think the problem is in special education, you being a special education teacher, and what do you think some things need to be done to help these kids that seemingly graduate and don't have anywhere to go or, don't, or can't find themselves? What, what is your thought on that?
5: Well, my thoughts about special education in general is uh is twofold. Okay. You have um general education teachers that are put under the pressure. Well, to give you a little bit more about my background, um I'm a special education teacher at a high school where I'm in a tested subject and a non tested subject. Okay. Um, I assist with um algebra one and algebra two. Uh, here in Texas algebra one is a tested subject and what I see more than anything um, is that general education teachers are put under the pressure of, say, not failing the student. Uh, what I mean by that is that um, someone is always talking to them about the numbers, the number of failures, the number of this, that, and the other. What The way I look at special education, honestly, T. Uh, Russ, is that we don't have enough students in special education. And what I mean by that, I think teachers don't have enough time to really evaluate individual students To know if they really have a disability or something needs to be looked into the reason why they're not grasping say a concept um, for a period of time. Um, I see a lot of teachers um, not wanting to pretty much fill out the paperwork to get the ball rolling or you have parents that really don't want to believe that their child may have a learning disability. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the things, the number one things that I see. No one wants to face the fact that um, at some point in time when we have a crack cocaine epidemic, uh, epidemic excuse me, in the United States, that at some point in time those kids uh, had to grow up and become uh, young people in the education system. And I think that has a lot to do with where we are uh, right now. Mm-hmm. I think um, the Department of Education is trying to do their part um, down here in Texas. Uh, The Texas Education Agency is trying to do their part and trying to look out for students with disabilities, but I just think we're not hitting the core of what really needs to happen, and that's really, really evaluating students, especially males, because um, especially being an African-American male, um, I can tell almost right off when a uh, student has an issue with something because they do a lot of avoid. Okay. Um, they a lot of times they're misbehaving in class because they're embarrassed okay. about the knowledge that or the lack there of knowledge that they uh, don't possess to be able to say answer questions that asked or even turn in some simple homework. I think it's a, it's a lot of things that you know we could do, but teachers are put under the pressure of educating. Say, what if they have 150 students? that they're trying to um, get to a certain point in Algebra One, sometimes you just don't have time. you got to think about the battles you're trying to fight. And one of the things is we we don't, especially in math, we cut out of corners. And what I mean by that, um, we need to know exactly what students know. Okay. And the only way you can do that in math, I feel, is for them to show their work.
3: Okay.
5: And then give them feedback from the work that they've shown. Okay. Um, we do a lot of standardized testing. Standardized testing, you know, um, that's multiple choice. Okay. So you get uh, four answer choice. You got a twenty five percent chance of answering correctly. So uh, that's kind of where I think special education can do a little bit better. But in education general, in general, okay. we should be trying to um,
4: educate the entire student. So.
1: Okay. Okay. DJ Rome.
4: Yeah, I agree with you. And what to what degree is Dallas on that same? School-to-prison pipeline, as it is nationwide. I know in California, we are acutely aware of, of that phenomenon. How we tend to not meet the needs of many of our boys, and yet they seem to be on a fast track, whether it be through their behavior or suspensions or not being understood by their their teachers, and possibly as a byproduct of not having teachers that uh, stem from their demographic background. So, how pervasive is that and the Dallas public school system where you are?
5: Well, um, the school that I'm at, uh, I I look like the students that I serve. And, and, you know, unfortunately, as much as we try to push diversity, um, you're absolutely right. We need to start educating or putting people that look like the students that we're trying to serve, because we have a different understanding. Um, To give you an example, if a student, um, if I see an African-American male getting frustrated, um, at no point in time do I feel threatened, threat. Whether he's huffing and puffing or have his fists uh, balled or anything like that, I don't feel threatened. threat. Um, mm-hmm. I feel the need to uh, talk to that student about, you know, what they're feeling, um, how they can um, control themselves. But my colleague that doesn't look like me or look like their student, immediately may feel threatened hmm. and i think those are some of the things that we really kind of need to look at we need stronger uh, men and women of any race to just right. be standing right. up for what's right for students so uh, i mean every every time a, a student yells or gets upset doesn't mean that they're going to do something violent or anything like that no right. so i mean I, I agree with you but here in in the metroplex i can only speak for one high school the one that i'm um, currently teaching it. But I know it, um, I got, have a quite a few friends that are in uh, education, and a lot of times we are servicing
4: uh, students that look like us at the schools that we're at. So. Okay. Yeah, and I'd be willing to wager that the degree of students identified on, say, like an emotional disturbance case or – um, having characteristics of ADHD I would love to see the the numbers of the degree to which those students are being identified with those particular needs because it's in the eye of the beholder as we all know T. Russ knows this already depends on who's filling out that paperwork and it really stems from that largely when it comes to school discipline how how well do you feel like your campus handles school discipline? Do the kids get away with murder, quote-unquote? Do they feel like they have some boundaries that they can respect, or do the adults there feel like they're so under siege that they don't even bother to intervene when they see a discipline problem because they don't feel like administration is going to back them up any, anyway? What's the other discipline culture like where you are? Um, the discipline culture where I'm at, it's, um,
5: it's pretty supportive. Um, but that, I think, DJ Ron, that, that is where you have developed a relationship. I'm a teacher with the administrator right. that you work right. closely with, meaning the, the grade level. Um, I have mm-hmm. an uh, a assistant principal that any time that I take a student to his office, it's a conversation. He takes out the time to have a conversation with me and that student. And the reason why I even mention that is because I'm not quick to uh, input a referral for a student. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. just like you, I think about the pipeline or the start of a paper trail uh, for a student, and that's not a good thing. What that does is affords me the opportunity once I've uh, taken a student to my assistant principal and say uh, that principal does, on my word, give a student in-school suspension for misbehaving in my classroom, Right. the classroom that I'm in. Okay. What happens later is when I have a conversation with that student, I'll remind them that... It, did your assistant principal say that I wrote a referral, and that gives me leverage with that student to to help with their behavior? Um, I think, um, to be honest, that you know we have rules and policies for a reason, and they should mm-hmm. be followed. Um, because I, I think we're getting to a in general in education, at least down here, is that we're starting to enable students. Um, once you take out, um, and this is not even special education anymore, once you take out uh, trades and things of that nature, um, you've limited the opportunities of students because mm-hmm. now it's college or bust. Every student is not yeah. meant to go to college. I didn't go to college right after high school. Right. You know, I wasn't I wasn't mentally ready, and I didn't have the type of support that was needed to go to college. Okay, but so this. Students, go ahead. Oh, go, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Well, that leads me to this question not to interrupt. That was a good point that you just made. Not every kid can, is college material at that time. With that being said, we have a policy, federal policy in special education, that states that when a kid has disciplinary issues, or let's say warrants a suspension or expulsion, we have to do a manifestation determination meeting to determine if the disability has a relateness to the incident based on the disability down where you are, I looked it up, you guys are 36% African-American. I'm like, wow. And I forgot when I lived down there, like, wow. Like, in, in Cali, we 9%. So I'm, I'm looking at 36%, like, wow, man. So I remember, being, I remember living down there in Arlington and going to Dallas, I was like, man. I, you know, you don't see that in, in, until you get to South. My question is, is that a problem down at Dallas, because I know we have a problem, let's say African American student, male, aggressive, and they'll go, he knew better, he knows better, he's aggressive. How but they don't look at the disability, they look at the behavior. And so I've had mm-hmm. people on the panel that are of the same ethnicity or the same culture, cultures different than ethnicity, and say, you know what? I think it's the disability because we understand the culture. How difficult is those meetings? Or, if you have those meetings down there to decide when you have a black male or hispanic male, um how difficult is it to to have those meetings if if I was clear on that
5: um it's not difficult at all you okay, standing up for what's right okay now does
1: everybody stand up for what's right? um,
5: I love those meetings, well, not everybody okay, but that's why you have to have a gentleman like yourself okay d j. Rome myself, okay. that are standing up for what's right. Usually when I'm in a meeting like that, I know the student. Okay. I know the student. I work mm-hmm. with the student. I know. You, and, and those are the things that we need to really address. It's really the, when we put everything aside, meaning our um, professional goals and personal agendas and things like that, and just do what's right for students, I think across the board, everything will work itself out. Right now, we're under um, federal investigation of the state of Texas, I okay. should say that, um, in different pockets of not enrolling enough special education students wow. because we're below the national average. Wow! So to me, that is just someone not taking out a few minutes okay. to really see if a student really needs some assistance, okay. meaning okay. if I have a student that's well-behaved but not getting the concepts where they're trying, so I'm going to give them a passing score. That's okay. not helping the student.
1: Okay, That's true. Okay. They're well, just
5: passing the buck.
1: Well, my son. That's
5: the way I look at it.
1: You remember, you remember my son. My son was down there at the Arlington School District, and they would not put him yes, in sir. special education. They would not put him in special education. And I am happened to be a school psychologist at the time. And uh, I advocated and advocated. Man, they, do you know, they did not do an assessment. And they were so sick of me. Um, and, you know, basically, you know what they said? He's lazy. And I I did. Uh, you know, I was young in the career. So, okay, you know, I went off on a couple of people <laughs> and, and threw the book at them. But Texas uh-huh. is so strong in their theology on how they do things and how, you know, you're not going to, that's why they call it the long start. I don't know how, wow. I, I commend you, brother, because down there, uh, Texas is rated uh, the least uh, supportive in special education. It, it is It is rated very, very high among the least. Um, I commend you of doing what you got. I know you're great. You're going to be great. I see you being superintendent one day. Uh, I, I appreciate you coming on the show. We got like two minutes and uh, to our next guest. But uh, I appreciate you, Mr. McGowan. Hopefully I'll see you uh, this year. Uh, or you coming up here to L.A. We can chop it up, put you in the studio. And I uh, appreciate you coming, man.
5: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And it was a, a, a pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me. Um, anytime. Anytime you need me, I'm here for you.
1: Okay, I appreciate it, man. You're listening to Real Love, Real Talk Uncut. Man, we'll be back. We'll be back, my brother. All right,
5: one love
3: but i believe it's never okay to abandon your dreams and it just so happens that our dream is to lift up a holy king see this is my life my choice and i choose to lift up my hands and please don't be alarmed if when the music comes on i begin to dance and run across the room But you don't know what I've been through And I'm still going through some of it So dancing is something that I gotta do See, Jesus was the only one that saved my soul He took a chance on his
1: Yeah. Hey, DJ, we hard in the paint, man. We got to go hard in the paint.
4: Hard on the yard, bro. Hard on the
1: yard. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, you know, tonight we have a special guest, uh, Dr. Mia McNulty. Are you on the line? Yes. How Good you? evening, everyone. How you doing? You doing
0: okay.
1: How about yourself? I, I know. I just talked to you yesterday. I'm just excited every time I hear you. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I just want to tell you that I was thinking about you today, that uh, we have known each other for a little while, you know? And uh, you are, you don't play when it comes to advocacy. And one thing <laughs> that that I realized is that when you called me, you say, you know, how do you look at advocacy with my own child? You're talking about uh, your child. And I I looked over some things and... I realized I needed some advocacy for my own child. <laughs> and I said, I might have her advocate for my child. I never thought about that. But anyway, because uh, I go through things, too. And a lot of people go, oh, yeah, you know, you go in there and uh, you turn heads. And, uh, and I do. But sometimes you get tired and you just want somebody to advocate for you. Am I right? Correct. We are going. I I don't know if I can use your 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 daughter's name because I know we want to also acknowledge at the end of the show your organization. And so, okay. um Kim, can can you can you can you tell us your organization? Uh, and about sure, sure before sure. we start, okay.
0: Sure, sure. It's um my um, 501c3 is called the Nia Imani Heart Association, and um, it's a health and education. Um, and child advocacy, um, you know, organization grassroots, and I started it after my daughter. Um, I was diagnosed with my daughter who had heart surgery, and so I, I just felt it was a need because of the the struggles and the obstacles I was faced with. Uh, dealing with the healthcare industry and education, that if I went through this, I'm pretty sure some other families have went through this. And just to give them a little a bridge and some, you know, skills and some resources to help them move on and to be a part of their uh, either IEP or plan
1: or medical plan. Absolutely, very simple. Absolutely, and 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 on. Uh, if you guys out there listening, you can go to Real Love, Real Talk, Uncut, and uh, we're gonna have to show up. And uh, if you want information to donate to her organization, you can. One of the things that tied you and I together uh, was a story that I had about my son that also had reconstructive surgery on his heart. And my son is Down syndrome. And uh, when when that happened, they had all kind of tubes and wires. I never felt so helpless in my entire life. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I had to have that experience to understand the empathy to give to you. Did that make sense? Because, Correct. Because had I not, and you say, oh, uh, my my daughter went through health, I mean, uh, heart surgery, I would have said, okay. And, I, and I'm being real out there. I would have said, okay, man, I'm going to pray for her. You know, I'm going, okay, what? but it's different when you've gone through it you can understand what that parent goes through. And with that being said, I would tell any parent out there, don't wait till you go through it. Go find some kids that are going through and touch them. And and I'm starting to do that more and more. With that being said, I do want to tell this little story uh, before we get started. We're going to, before, after I tell this little story, we're going to look at your psychoeducational assessment. And we're going to, me and DJ are going to break that down. I looked at... uh, you gave me the psychoeducational assessment by the psychologist, and I looked at it. And uh, I want—I want to say some things to you as we break it down. Do you mind?
0: No, no. You know I'm. You know me. Okay. <laughs> and and for the
1: parents out there, me and DJ Ron, we we'll, we have the same report, and we write these reports, and a lot of parents don't know. Uh, what should be in that report, the meat and potatoes of that report. And a lot of times the meeting or the IEP team goes on what the psychologist says. And sometimes the psychologist is wrong. Sometimes he's right. Sometimes they hit it right. Sometimes they hit it wrong. And so you and I have have spoken. Uh, but I want to tell you this little story, and I don't want to get off. Um, I want to, I want to tell you parents that this radio station and this show is always about giving God the glory. When my son uh, had reconstructive uh, heart surgery, and this is a long story short, I told a guy in the waiting room, uh, I'm waiting for my son to get out, and uh, he had surgeries three days ago. And the guy laughed at me. I, I, he just laughed at me. I got so offended. and I don't even get offended. He laughed at me and said, sir, my son has had six surgeries. I know exactly the type of surgery your son had. He's not leaving here. And I said, my son's leaving here today. And he laughed at me to the point where he got mad. And he says, who do you think you are? And I had to find, I had to grip myself and and I had to ask myself, who was I? And so I thought about it and I thought about it and something rose up in me. And so if you're listening out there, I want something to rise up in you. And something rose up in me, and I said to him, it wasn't me talking. And I said, sir, my son is getting up out of here because I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in his healing and he'll never take medication. I said, if you see me walking out of here, your son is healed and never have to do another operation. He laughed at me, and I went on. Well, uh, the rules are at USC that basically Children's Hospital, at 5 o'clock, if your son is not discharged, they're going to stay right there. And so I want to tell you that I walked out of there with my son at 459. And I grabbed that son. I held my son. And if you ever go to Children's Hospital at USC, it's got so many elevators. And I walked through the elevator and I walked over here, walked over there. And I was at the basement and I had my truck down at the basement. And that basement open elevator and that man and his wife was standing there. And he said to me, oh, I meet you again, my brother. And I said, yes, you did. He says, oh, you have another child. I said, no, sir. This is the child that I told you that I was walking out of, and your son is healed in Jesus' name. And I walked out, and his mouth hit the floor. I believe that day God totally healed my son through my faith. And I and, and I know that I prayed for your daughter. Every time I look at her name, I pray for her. Every time I look at her name, I get mad, and I say, I make sure that when I look at this psych report, I'm going to look at it right. Does that make sense? And I believe that advocacy True advocacy, you got to get mad at the devil. You got to get mad at what is being written and say, no, I'm going to rewrite this story. I'm going to rewrite this. I'm going to pray for this. And I'm going to move on this. And I'm going to find something that's going to touch my child based on intervention, knowledge, spirituality, whatever. It's kind of like I got to fight for my child. That's what advocacy is. I'm going to fight for my child to the death. And that's why we're here. So we're going to do a case study real quick. And I want to go over your psychoeducational assessment report, if you don't mind. And uh, I want to tell you about it. And I would do anybody, uh, the parents that want me to do that, uh, we do it once a month. And then just kind of break it down so I would help you. Uh, I want to also tell you that down the line, we're going to do some advocacy, me and, and, and uh, DJ Rome and and, and you too, Mia, we're going to do it together and we're going to get down. So DJ Rome, do you have a copy of that uh, assessment report in front of you?
3: Yeah, I do.
1: Okay. Well, let me, let me break some stuff down before I start. uh, And then DJ, I'll let you take over. Uh, Your parents out there, this is, you know, when you go through assessment, the the number one things you want to know is your rights. And a lot of parents will go, yeah, okay, he told me my rights, but what are your rights? And you have to have somebody to really break your rights down and understand what are those rights. Uh, Do you understand what assessment is? Do you understand the eligibility criteria? There's 13 of them. Um, Do you understand within them 13 criteria, eligibilities or classifications, what do they mean? And what are the implications of them? And what are the repercussions of them? Special education is a beast. So it can also be glory. And so with that being said, when we go through the assessment tools, the teacher has the academic testing that deals with standard scores, that deals with the levels of performance. I know DJ knows about that. And we as a psychologist, we test uh, in the state of California. We do not test African-American kids. It's against the law. Uh, We do look at cognition, the ability to think. The ability to retrieve and also look at processing, uh, auditory, visual, kinesthetic, sensory, uh, fine motor, gross smarter, all those type of things. And so here before me, I have this uh, report from the psychologist. Now, I'm going to act like an advocate, DJ. You're going to act like a, an advocate. And uh, do you mind if I say her name, uh, Mia? No, I okay. don't mind, because that's the name of the organization. You're listening so to Exciting okay. Premium so, you know, Content I call on KC, it little Nia. little Nia. <laughs> on KC, uh, WG, it, current G. eligibility the is com. other health impaired uh, based on the uh, different surgeries and the different health elements that she has. And she also has a current, what we call DIS, designated instruction services. And that basically means there's other services like language speech and language, and occupational therapy. Um, right. So on, go ahead.
4: Okay, so other health impairment for those listening out there usually is associated with a medical situation, whether it's a uh, deficit, whether it's a uh, disclosed medical condition that that the family may reveal to the IEP team and usually it's causing some kind of limited uh, limited ability with vitality ability to access their curriculum without receiving specialized assistance and so we call this particular area of eligibility other health impairment
1: absolutely and and, and DJ I'm looking at the first page Uh, right like this this the just the personal information Uh, do you see anything incorrect that or do you think do you see anything out of place when you look at it uh and what that means if you're listening out there there's a name birth date student id chronological age gender ethnicity home language language of instruction language of assessment attending school home school the grade of the student current eligibility current placement current dis services which we explained uh examiner whatever the examiner name and the date of report when 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 mm-hmm. Miss Mia, do you do you see anything out of out of place? Is anything out of place?
0: No, not for the basic
4: uh
1: information regarding
4: okay. the school. Okay.
1: Would, Go ahead, DJ. Uh,
4: okay. So my question would be for what purpose do you recall that you requested this reevaluation? What was going on at the time?
0: Uh they think it was a 3-year reassessment they had wanted to do a 3-year. Mm. Uh, I think that's what it was. So uh,
1: Okay, so it
0: was scheduled for the uh, year before, I think it was, if I remember correctly. Uh,
1: and they did about three of them. Am I right?
0: Um,
1: because they couldn't get it right. So I, yeah.
0: Well, okay. this is just the first. This is the first one. So we, I, I okay. asked for IEE. Yeah. So this was.
1: Okay. Now, when I look at when I look at this, just to just to general information, there's some things that I want to share with you. Okay. Number okay. one. Uh, there is no such thing as language and speech, but there is such thing as speech and language. language. So, Okay. So I would mm-hmm. turn that around, uh, and if mm-hmm. I was a, an advocate, I would say uh, to the psych, you, that is not an eligibility. You, you got it backwards. Number two, I would say, where is my name? I don't see my name. I don't see. It should, okay. have, it should have parent on there, okay? Okay. Uh, the, okay. Next, the next one, you have an option. When it says language of instruction, you being African American and understanding the Ebonic language, you have the option of saying English slash Ebonic. And I'll tell okay. you, and the why you have that option is because, of course, language is also embedded in the culture. Correct. So if you truly believe that and you put that down there, that means that assessment has to tap the culture of the language. Okay. Okay. So. When we go down, there's a confidentiality statement, and uh, it says the following assessment report may contain sensitive information, blah, blah, blah. You must, uh, a trained individual must be, do this report. That always has to, to say that. So, listeners out there, you always want a confidentiality statement uh, right after that. Uh, the next one is reason for referral. When you look at reason for your referral, Does anything stand out to you, D.J. Rome or Mia, when you look at your child's uh, reason for referral? Basically, why are we referring her? That's what D.J. Rome was saying. Why is she referred for special education?
4: Well, it says to further investigate eligibility for special education. So what that tells me is that what they have identified up to this point, The student may still not be responding to whatever interventions they have put in place already. So they're probably being tasked with um, digging deeper to find out what else is untapped. And they're, they're sort of looking for a new suspected area of disability that heretofore may not have come forward. Now this is an IEE, and I heard you say that earlier. So that that's different from an IEP. IEE is individual educational evaluation. So usually a. Oh, I'm sorry. Requests in, I, I'm sorry. This is this is from the IEP. But I after this, I requested after
0: I received this report, I requested an IEE because I didn't like what was said in this report. I'm sorry if I misunderstood. Okay. If I said that wrong?
4: Oh, I, I misunderstood you. Okay. So thanks for clarifying that for me. So what jumps out of me, T. Russ, and I'm gonna turn it back to you is something there's still areas where the student is not thriving and even though they have these current areas of eligibility um, that that doesn't appear up to this point to be meeting the student's needs so something is still being investigated okay is that what was going on when we took upon this task miss Mcmelty yes yes I right. okay. thank you yeah
1: okay so okay. one thing that stands out if again if I was the advocate uh, looking at the site there's, uh, I highlighted there are also concerns regarding delays in fine motor coordination. Now, that is what we call a discrepancy and a red flag. I'm going to tell you why. If okay. I look at the current uh, DIS, which she receives, she receives, she receives occupational therapy. Am I right? Correct. Occupational therapy deals with fine motor and gross motor skills. It helps you develop in ways... So that you can adapt around the house, just living conditions. Am I right? Correct. So one of the questions that I would ask your psychologist is why is that statement in there? There are also concerns regarding delays in fire and motor coordination. So this is a three year, so I would I would ask the psych to define that in the referral.
2: Because okay.
1: Because you, you wanna you wanna define it. You wanna be specific. And you, you wanna be petty. You you really wanna be petty now. Also so Right,
4: go ahead. Uh, okay, so the distinction between fine and gross
1: motor.
4: You're listening to Exciting Premium
3: Content already, sure, on, KC, so on KCWGTheTruth.com.
4: Uh, fine motor, of course, is the, uh, the, the intricate um, motor functions that you need for writing, handling a pencil, handling any kind of... Uh, Device that will enable you to communicate your words and thoughts onto paper, for example, or it could mean typing, okay? So the difference between gross motor and fine motor definitely need to be clarified.
1: Definitely. And as you go down, uh, Mia, there's mm-hmm. some interesting things. Suspected areas of disability are, and I want to point this out to you, uh, Pacific Learning Disability, which we classify as SLD, Intellectual Disability, which we classify as ID, and other health impaired, which we currently have, OHI. Now, when you see that, that means that in the body of your report, they have to what we call inclusionary disclosure. It's inclusionary. Prove to me that your child doesn't have specific learning disability. Prove it. Prove to me that my child is not intellectually disabled. Prove it. And prove to me, even though her current eligibility is OHI, prove it. And the reason you okay. have to prove it in the body is because you have to establish eligibility. So you hold that, you highlight that, and you turn the, as you turn the page, somewhere in the body of your report, there should be somewhere that says, I exclude the Pacific Learning Disability, this is why. Or I exclude intellectual disability, this is why. So I want you to hold that thought. Uh, okay. as, as I look at the background information, I did look at that. I looked at it very, very thoroughly, and I was like, okay. Um, until I got down to the, uh, when you look at background, you, you got to be careful because it says health slash development. And if you listeners out there, there are two different things. Uh, some psychologists put health, and some recategorize it down in a different header and and say development. I am one of those that do that because a lot of Nurses or whatever, they combine it and I believe health is health and development is development. And so as I scroll down, I want to read this to you and I want you to tell me if this makes any sense, if this is a red flag. You ready? Okay. So your daughter, according to the IEP, says this. According to the IEP dated six twenty six oh nine, Nia's hearing was reported normal at twelve months of age. Information regarding vision indicated. Uh, strabismus. I can't strabismus. I think that's a a a hearing. Lazy eye. Right. So, with that being said, it, it something caught my eye, and it says this. It says, um, according to the IEP dated six twenty three eleven, that was two years later. Nia passed both the hearing and the vision assessments on six nineteen ten. I was like yay, but then I frowned because the next <clears throat> line said, according to the IEP dated eight fifteen twelve. That's one year later. Nia failed the vision screening on 11 11 okay? And the hearing screening was pending. Mother was to arrange for hearing screening on 11-7-11. Now, I'm going to read this again because to me that doesn't make any sense. So according to the IEP, so it was an IEP held in August 15 of 2012, and it says Nia failed the vision screening on 11 11 that is basi- that is basically, what, five months, wrong? Five mm-hmm. months after she passed it? Right. That's a red flag. Why? Right. Why, why? Why did she fail? That doesn't make sense. And then the hearing is pending. Why is it pending? Since mother was arranged right. for a hearing screening on. So that, those are red flags for me. And when I see those red flags, I stop the testing. I stop right. immediately. Okay. Because now it's not valid. None of mm-hmm. this is valid anymore. So if I'm an advocate and I go, oh, it failed and failed, and there's no supporting cast, I'm going to say, well, I'm going to hold off on my assessment because this is invalid, and you just won the lawsuit. You just won. Wow, just like that. If I took it to court. uh, Now, I mean, do you agree, DJ? Yeah,
4: I do, because when you look at the new areas of eligibility that they suspect is going on, and you talk about a health and developmental history, it's very important to get that information from the parent because from one assessment to the next, whether it's a year or two or three years that go in between that time, new things may emerge. And so when we are faced with doing a new evaluation, it is good for the nurse to get the health and developmental history to see if they can update the health record. And so one of the things that they do is they test the vision, they test the hearing. Now they don't test the way we do, uh, Dr. Mia, they test in mm-hmm. terms of just visual and which means can they see? Because right. we test process, and we, we look at can they see it and make sense out of it and get right. meaning from it,
3: That's whereas right.
4: the nurse would just determine if there's a level of ocular strength in the eyes, can they see? Same thing with hearing. Can they hear? Not can they interpret what they hear, but can they hear, period. And when that is not there, everything is thrown by the wayside. So now any test that involves anything they had to see, anything they had to hear, is it's it's all out of whack now, all out of whack.
1: Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
4: And hopefully during the course Mm -hmm. of the assessment, once you realize that, you can go in and do some retests, and maybe the kid just needed glasses and didn't have the glasses that day, and maybe that's why they didn't pass with the nurse. Or maybe they had earwax in the ear, and they were congested, and they had a cold, and maybe that contributed to why they didn't pass the hearing screening. But regardless of what it is, they have to somehow, hopefully during this 60-day process of reevaluation, hopefully they're going to get retested so that we can resume testing again because everything that follows is you're not going to get accurate results.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and so I know we got like five minutes. Let me break some things down. I'm going to have DJ Rome take notes, DJ, because I'm going to go a little fast and I want you to comment on this. As I look on All page right. uh, two, it says these words. Um, it says there's a history of inconsistent assessment results. I put a mark there and says from who? There's a history of inconsistent assessment results. From who? What results and from who? Okay. You want them to go put that in there. Uh, it's, it's consented as a part of this assessment. It was not consented as a part of this, of this assessment. You want to put the question, why? Why not, okay? As I go down, I don't see in the family history, okay, we're in another section, I don't see anything. It talks about the primary language. It talks about she learns, she's exposed to Swahili and uses sign language, so does my son. But I don't see any mentors, and I don't see any culture I don't see any family dynamics in other words if I'm your school site I'm going to ask you Mia why didn't you ask me about my mentorship my support you didn't talk about my culture you didn't tell you didn't talk about my family dy- dynamics and you did not tell me how the squad is You are listening to exciting premium content on okay. KCWG um, KC- I'm com. looking at the attendance down here it, it broke down all the attendance for example it would say absent 19 days it would say uh absent uh, her attendance is 15 percent. you want them to say and clarify out of those 19 days 15 days are cleared and due to health problems because if you don't they can come back and say it was because of of being truant it was because she did not clear the absence and you don't want that stigma on there. So you want that, you want the psych to clear that up. Does that make sense? Correct. Okay. You also, um, the regional center history, uh, they, they broke that down. Nia was a, a client of the regional center and home early infant stimulation services. What is that? Mm-hmm. Do you want them to clarify that? Um, and then they said uh, concerning regarding her weakened immune system and pending their heart surgery. Uh Okay, be a little bit more elaborate with that because this goes in their file so the next school they can understand and they don't have to reiterate that. Um, The next one is intervention history. Um, On your intervention history, there was no indication on how effective the services were. In other words, if I'm writing this, not only am I going to tell the interventions, I'm going to tell how effective they are. Did they work? Who implemented them? What is the accountability? I'm going to talk about all of that. Does that make sense? And the last but okay. not least, um, when I look at your cognitive ability, veneer, when you look at page six, and it says visual processing, it says visual motor integration, auditory processing, attention, conceptualization, they do not combine it on how it results in the classroom. See, I could test you, and I could tell you what's wrong, but if I don't relate it to the classroom and tell you how you can do better... Why in that paragraph, it's really useless. So, if I say, Mia, you have auditory processing, this is why you have auditory okay. processing, but I don't tell you how, when you get in the class, how it affects auditory processing, affects the classroom, then what, what good is it? Tell me what good is it. It's not going to help you. So, there needs to be an association of relate, relateness. Uh, I know we, <laughs> I know, when we could go on and go on. DJ Rome, I know we only got a minute.
4: Yeah, we only got a minute and so what what jumped out at me with that was that when they looked at cognitive ability and it showed that they attempted to give a certain test and then there was some resistance to testing and i don't know if she was uh, upset that day but he attempted a test but he wasn't able to give it so he ended up giving a different kind of test that is um good for determining ability particularly for african-american students because like russ said we don't look at iq when it comes to african-americans and so I would want to know to what degree the, the behavioral problems or, or if there were the, – the way he described it is that she was resisting testing that day. And I can't recall – I'm flying a little blind right now because the pages on my uh, screen are a little scattered – but he wasn't able to determine that and the reason why that's so important for me is because when you anytime you talk about intellectual disability that is the terminology that they used to refer to as mental retardation and the only way you're able to determine that is to be able to verify where the estimated ability is in addition to what's called adaptive behavior right. and that's where they gave you all those rating scales dr mia to fill out okay and okay things that will help you communicate how they're able to do things independently. Can they brush their own teeth? Can they dress themselves? Can they choose clothing that is appropriate for the weather outside? And so they look at all those things and a combined score of a very low cognitive score combined with very low adaptive behavior, meaning they can't hardly do anything independent, those are candidates for what's termed today as intellectual disability. And that's a very serious distinction, and it's not one that we should be giving out. Uh, but we do need to be clear. I understand that they weren't able to clearly land the plane on that one mm-hmm. because there was so much, undef- you know, there it was a lot of inconclusive information that he was working with. But the reason why that jumps out at me is because it, it certainly absolutely cannot be Determined based on
1: what we have here, absolutely. Based on okay, what you have here, you 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 know, they needed to get a little bit more in depth. Right. Okay. You know? Does that make sense? So
0: yes, I, I. I. You put it in your clinical terms. I just knew as a mother, it didn't sound right to me, knowing my daughter. So you went to clinical and the professional route where I went at the mother mother route. I didn't believe it.
1: No, you did the best you could, and you are very smart, and you got this far. And uh, I commend you. We all got to learn. Uh, I might need to advocate one day and pull you. And uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I know we're running out of time. Next time we do this, we'll probably need the full hour because these reports are so thick. Uh, this one is yes. not as bad. It's 19. Uh, but it should have been about 30. <laughs> it should, but all of okay. the the things that you want to look at, I would say at least twenty two, twenty three pages, maybe twenty five, to really get in depth, because this is yeah. a document, a legal document yeah. that you want to put in the safe, and, uh, and 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 this document is supposed to he. Can I tell you a secret? I'm gonna tell you a secret. Yes. Okay. DJ Room, I'm gonna tell you a secret too. Um, all right. Don't
4: worry. Nobody's listening but
1: us. Okay. <laughs> when you write this on a child, it's supposed to be healing. I'm supposed to write to the child and to the disability and to the intervention. In other words, my writing is supposed to eventually heal that child. I'm supposed to give you enough information and advocate for you so strong that whatever element or disability that she has, she's going to be accommodated by that and she's going to feel like she's no different than no other child. That is the reason for a report. And if a, if a psych, a social worker, or whatever doesn't write to that, they didn't write it correctly. We have one minute. We got to go. You listen to Real Love, Real Talk. We appreciate you, Mia. Uh, we're going to have you back. Uh, DJ Rome, okay. I love you. I know we're running out of time, but we're going to get out of here. We're going to leave with a little song. But I uh, appreciate you. Thank,
0: Thank you. Please.
5: Thank you,
1: gentlemen. Absolutely. One love. we we'll see you back next Thursday. Real Love, Real I'm Talk, good. Uncut, Facebook. Hit us up. Yeah. Hit it up.
4: One, one love.
0: You just listened to an exclusive KCWG, the truth.com program on our subscription premium content channel. Thank you again for your support of KCWG, the truth.com, the best internet radio on the planet.